Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, team. Thank you for your birthday wishes and the cards and the blessings are so kind of you. I was hoping maybe I could fly under the radar with uh, this one, but not happening, but that's over. So, uh, but uh, excited for another year of life. It is a weird thing seeing 50 on a birthday cake. It's a bit of an out-of-body experience, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Heaven's getting sweeter, and so is earth as I get to... Um, Meet more and more of, of uh, just awesome people and share life together and so grateful for the blessings that God's given on birth, my birthday. I don't remember um, the, the specific day that I trusted Christ as my Savior and was spiritually born again. I, I was five years old. I remember the moment, but uh, on my physical birthday then is when I also celebrate just being alive forever in Christ. And so just so grateful for God, His grace and and to share life with you for this, uh, this journey. So thank you. Another, uh, or one, before we dive into our text today, a Go Bless highlight that we just need to celebrate as a faith family that you're a part of is our basketball ministry to high school and middle school students. And at the end of every season, I find myself saying, that was the best yet. And so it is this year, but so grateful for our leaders, Wes and Clayton, as our commissioners who really at the end of last season started planning and praying and creating vision, setting strategy, building teams, and then they executed with love and, and devotion throughout this season that has just been awesome to watch. Before each game, these guys give a, like a five-minute mini-message to help um, the players in their walk with Christ. And I, I walk away from many of those saying, why did I prepare for a message on Sunday? Let's just re-preach that one. <laughs> and just really um, powerful and, and loving in how they, they present it to the guys. And then they recruited, and 40 of you, 40 coaches who have poured into these players in above and beyond ways. And it's just been awesome to watch. Um, that's a really just a small group of men who love the Lord and who desire to help young men follow him with everything they've got, and God's at work in it, and so just thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone, the volunteers who helped with scoreboard and, and just the whole um, team, over 140 players, we were able to serve and minister to them and their families week in and week out, so just an awesome, awesome blessing that, that that was. Okay, well today is week 10 of our 10-week series, Purify. It's really been building up to today. I know in my own heart, God's been each week working, but this is a special day, and we're praying this would be a day of commitment. If you're just joining us today, this may be a lot, and we'll uh, hopefully um, you'll be able to just jump up to speed, but uh, for those of you who have been part of this journey, this, uh, this is commitment day in terms of, of seeking to purify, cooperate with God. As we were praying, God, would you purify my heart so that I might be a blessing? And anything that's not like Christ, to take that out and, and let Christ be formed in me. And the text that we're going to begin with is James chapter 1, verse 21. 
James is the guy that he just says it like it is, cuts right to it, and he does that in this verse as he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So, so throw those things off that are not like Christ and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And the big idea today is humbly accept the word planted in us that can save us. The idea here is when you humbly accept something, you, you long for it, you need it, you, you're hospitable to it in a way that, that you, you, you go with it, you align with it. And the word there is, speaks of the word of God that he gives us, his will, his lagos. It says, humbly accept the word, though, that's planted in you, the specific area that, that he's given you a word for your next step. Humbly accept that. And then he says, which can save you. And it's important to note that word save, we, we tend to think of our, that moment that we trust Christ as our Savior and we're forgiven of our sin. That's justification. It's part of the saving process. But actually, there's this middle part that while we're on earth, it's called sanctification, where we're becoming like Christ. We're being saved in the sense that we're being changed. We're being purified. That's what uh, James has in view right here. How do we become like Christ? How does this, this purify pathway work? And here's the answer. There's only one way. Humbly accept his word that's planted in us. Imagine we receive the shocking news in just a moment that spring 2019 is on us. Meaning, we have to create the leaves that are going to go on the trees this year. God's like, on you guys. Can you imagine? So we, we as a team say, all right, we can't do everything, but we got to do something. So let's all walk out of here with the assignment of we're going to create, each one of us create one leaf. So all you have to do, Mandy, one leaf. You got that? Good to go. All right. And we have till April 10th to do it. Can you imagine the frustration this afternoon as you start thinking, how in the world am I going to put together like this paper thin membrane of a, of a material that's both incredibly durable, like it, it's waterproof and it gets wet, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't shrivel up and, and disintegrate, but it's also can take the heat, it can take the wind, and, but not only is it just a, a like a, this piece of paper, it's actually living. It, 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 I'm going to have to figure out how to connect it to the, the, this tree, and then it has these veins running through it, which are actually, uh, it has the capacity to grow, and then photosynthesizes, it takes sunshine and just metabolizes that into energy for that tree. And then I have to figure out how to, like, when it's time to die, it'll die and then disconnect and fall off and it'll change color and stuff like that. And even in its death, I have to figure out a way that this material is not like a, you know, plastic where it's going to hurt creation, but rather it actually, in its decomposition, becomes beneficial for the next season as, as it becomes nutrient. Can you imagine with all the biological complexity how this next month would be brutal, wouldn't it? And, and could you do it? I, you're smarter than I am, but, but I, speaking on behalf of me, spring's not happening. <laughs> if it's on me and I have to create just one leaf, we need billions of leaves. I mean, we could as a team do maybe one tree. It ain't happening. We can take a seed, and we can plant that seed in the ground in receptive soil, cover it up, water it, and create a hospital, hospitable environment, and let God do what only he can do, and he will not just create a leaf. 
He'll make spring happen again. We can no more purify these sin-tainted, messed-up souls than we can make a leaf. We can't do it. We can't. But if we will humbly accept the seed, the Word of God that's been planted in us, He will do what only He can do, and He will transform these messed-up souls recreate us to have a soul, a heart like Christ, and spring is coming for your life and my life. Isn't that awesome? Guys, that's the only way. But that is a way that will happen like spring's going to happen this afternoon because this is the, or hopefully this afternoon, but this year because this is the Word of God. So, what God has given us in his word, our encouragements to humbly accept the, his word. And today, this time that we have, we've, we've just said, let our hope and prayer, we've been praying over this hour, is that this would be sanctified or set apart as a sacred moment where, unlike the other moments of this week, really, there's one question on the table, and it's this. Will you humbly accept the word of God that he's put in your, your vision over the past nine weeks? I'm thinking probably for your life, at least it's been as well for me, that there's been one area that God's been bringing to light, putting a spotlight on in your heart that needs to be purified. And we've walked through a lot of areas. We've walked through hypocrisy and just being authentic. We've talked about the, uh, our thoughts and, and purifying our thoughts, our words, our character and integrity, our, our sexuality, and just honoring Him with our bodies and many other areas Love is a big one in terms of just loving with a pure heart, with no agenda. But what area has God brought to, to light or put a spotlight on? And today's the moment to say, I'm not going another step in my life. I'm not moving from this hour without planting this seed, allowing this seed to be humbly accepted and changing, doing what God's calling me to do. And so we'll have a time at the end of this hour just for you to commit. Um, but may I just ask and plead with you that as we come to the Word of God, to, to just ask Him to let your heart be receptive, to humbly accept the Word that, that He's given us. And the vision is at the end that um, He will, it may be hard what He's going to bring about, but He will change and He will transform and He will grow and we will have greater capacity to go be a blessing for him. So in his word, he's given us stories. The Old Testament, we know the New Testament says these were preserved to encourage you and to help you. And there's a story tucked away in 2 Kings chapter 5 that is powerful to help us humbly accept the word planted in us. And it, it starts with a, uh, introduces a, a soldier named Naaman. It says, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram, Syria, in that day. And he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, when you read this and think about it, there's adjective after adjective about this guy's great. A great soldier, valiant, he's success, position, power. He's got the, uh, the fame. He, everybody's looking up to this guy, but. Can you feel it? It's like, but there's this one 
thing that he can't purify. And it's the stuff on his skin. Skin disease, leprosy. And in Scripture, we know leprosy is, through the life of Christ, is, is analogous to, to our sin, that thing in our soul that we can't purify. When you have skin disease, it comes in contact with everyone you touch. Everybody sees it. It, it, it interrupts intimacy. It's like, and it's always with him, and he can't change him. You can't, he can't purify it. But watch what happens. He gets blessed in verse 2 when it says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl, from Israel, she served as Naaman's wife. She was her mistress, and she said, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would, he would cure him of leprosy. I love this and the fact that, what's that girl's name? Nobody knows her name. We don't even know her name. But she knows about what God can do. She has faith, and she says something. And it triggers a series of events that we're still reading about today. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, said the king of Aram, and uh, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now, why the king of Israel? He assumed that the king of Israel would surely know about this guy, Elisha. He'd be in his royal court if he can heal leprosy. So Naaman left, and he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing, just a wagon full of, of things to give Elisha. The letter that he took to the king of Israel said, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. Well, the king freaks out here as he says, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he is trying to, to pick a quarrel with me? This, the king of Israel in this is really symbolizing what it looks like to try to do life without God. He doesn't even really think of Elisha. The little girl in another country knows about Elisha. The king doesn't know, and, and when we live like that, it's, it's anxiety-inducing. Like, how, what am I going to do about this? I can't cure leprosy. Well, Elisha has to initiate with him, and he says this. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots. Important to notice the plural. It says just one horse, one chariot. This is a, a royal entourage and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So can you imagine probably an ordinary neighborhood, pretty humble dwelling, and here comes a royal entourage, you know, limousine after limousine after limousine pulling up. The neighbors are out with their phones taking video of this, putting it on their story, like, what's going on in our neighborhood? This is a big moment. And, and so uh, what's going to happen? What happens next is a picture of just the pure grace of God in motion. Watch what happens. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. What a gift. A clear word from God, Real, right? Go. Wash yourself in the Jordan River. Go wash seven times and you will be cleansed. Grace of God. It's doable. It's clear. It's, just go wash in the Jordan. Naaman, this is good news, right? Wrong. 
his, uh, he's like mad at this moment. Verse 12 says, but Naaman went away angry. What in the world is going on in this guy's soul? And we see it went away angry. And he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me. Now, those words to me in the uh, Hebrew are emphatic. It's, it's like, to me, he should have come out. To me? He's going to send his messenger to me? Does he not know who I am? What, what's going on in his soul? Elisha is confronting his pride. Why? Because what is the only way that we are purified? The only way he'll be cleansed. What is it? Humbly accept the word of God. He knows pride in this guy's soul. So he sends his messenger. This is what the, the, the prophet says. And man, it's ticking him off. And, and then he says, and not only is he mad about that, he says, uh, he's kind of, he had already written God's script. This is how I want God to heal me. As he says in uh, the, the verses that follow, I thought he'd come out, you know, to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. And are not Abana and far, far the rivers of Damascus better than all the river, the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and he went away in a rage. Wanted to control um, his own cleansing and, and purify process. But what's, what is the secret to being purified? And God's at work not only in his physical realm, but in his spirit. It's humility. Humbly accept the word of God that's planted. Well, right here we see one of the great illustrations of the value of having friends that will speak truth to us in our pride and, and he's, his servants and how the, the servants do it. It says, verse 13, now Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, so respectfully, if the prophet had told you to, to, uh, to do some great thing, how much more then when he tells you, or would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you to, to uh, wash and be cleansed? So they're saying, if he had told you to go climb that mountain and, you know, kill a lion and put the necklace lion on with its teeth and then go fight the giant. You would have said, yep, all in, let's go. And, and it's interesting, they ask him a question. And I always think, side note, what a great picture of, of ways to lead up when we see those in authority over us derailing rather than come and try to, a leader's probably not going to respond well to a command, but to say, hey, here's a question for you. <laughs> and it's how Jesus taught, wasn't it? How many times does he ask questions they get beyond our defenses. I saw this illustrated with our basketball team, coaching with Bobby Delamarter, but often team of high school guys, and these guys know how to play basketball. They don't need our advice, right? So in timeouts, Bobby wouldn't say, guys, go do this. He'd say, guys, what do we need to do right now? And so often they'd respond exactly what they knew, and then he'd, he'd say, all right, yep, and, and so let's do this, do that. And what a gift these guys give to Naaman as they, uh, they ask him this question. And what happens? Will, does he listen? And this is the uh, pinnacle in the, in the story. As it says, so he went and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God told him. 
And his flesh was restored and became like that of a young boy. He was healed. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The one thing this great man could not do was purify his leprosy. But he had a word from God. And all it takes is one word from the Creator. The question, would he humbly accept it? If he had walked away that day, he would have walked away a leper. But he received it. He acted on it. Didn't want to do it, humbling, go wash seven times in this muddy river, but he did it, and he walked away cleansed. Say, okay, good for Naaman, but what does this have for us, have to do with us and our journey, our faith journey? What is the one area of your heart, your life, that God has been whispering that needs to be purified? That part of your life that's not like Christ and that's going to create pain for you, for the people you love, and disrupt your relationship with our Father? I think we all probably have that one area that God led us to over these nine weeks. Now the question is, what will you do with the word that he's given you? And maybe for you this, throughout this series, it's been, this simple word for you has been believe. And you've been try, spending your life trying to do good things to earn God's favor. And, and core to following Christ is the, the truth. We cannot do enough good things to be forgiven. There own, there's only one way to be forgiven of our guilt, cleansed of our guilt, and that's to believe that Jesus took our sin to the cross, died in our place, and through faith in him, we're forever forgiven. And if that's your step today, that's your word, man, I encourage you, make today your day of salvation and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe God's word to you in the, to purify throughout this series has been in the realm of your motives. And uh, you've been doing the right things, but doing them with a desire to elevate yourself. And maybe even as you love the people around you, there's that side of you that loves them with an agenda so that they can help you with this or this or that. And your love is tainted. It's not sincere. And God's word to you is Romans 8, 12, 8, which says love must be sincere. And it's to just say, today, I begin a journey of living with the love that's pure. And as I interact with people, I could care less what they give back to me. I'm here to die for them, to lay down my life for them like Christ did for me. Maybe the, uh, the one thing that God has nudged you to, uh, to purify are your words. We excuse our words. We minimize, yeah, it's some gossiping or slandering or whatever, but it's just who I am. And you've heard God say, no, you've got to speak to build up. Ephesians 5, 429 is God's word. It says, put off unwholesome talk. Put on words that, that build up. Maybe the one thing he's identified in your life are the thoughts. And our thoughts really divide. We live out of our, our thoughts. And he says, all right, as followers of Christ, think up. And his word was clear in Philippians chapter 4, 8, to think up. Think about good things, what is true right, pure, lovely, admirable, noble. Think about these things rather than letting our minds be dragged down into the negativity of, of uh, 
things that are not true and, and good, believing lies. Maybe your one thing is in the realm of, of your sexuality. We talked last week, it's a huge part of really purity paves the way, in our sexuality paves the way for intimacy with the one that we'll spend our life with, but also the, our relationship with God. And the word was clear, flee sexual immorality. Anything, sex outside of, of a marriage, I'm fleeing it and committing to honor God with my body. And today maybe you, is the day you drive the stake in the sand and say, God, here's my body, my sexuality, and it's yours. And here's the awesome truth and the incredible gift, the gift that God gave Naaman and the gift that he gives us is if we will humbly accept his word, treasure it, and live by it, he will do what only he can do. He will purify that part of our life. He will. And if you've walked with him for some time, you, you've experienced this. It's a process, and it's an up-and-down process, but he will. The creator promises, humbly accept the word which is planted in you, which can save you. And he who began a good work in you will carry it on. And you'll become a little bit more like Christ and gain capacity to bring him glory. Isn't that awesome? And so today, that's the action step. And really, the, uh, the story pushes in front of us the question, what's his word to you and what will you do with it? The story takes a, a scary turn, though, as we see uh, See, go ahead and pick it up back up in verse 15. The, uh, the prophet answered, or, or uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and start with verse 15. It says, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he said, now I know that there's a God, there's no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept my gift from your servant. The prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing and even though Naaman refu- uh, urged him, he refused. So Naaman says, all right, if you're not going to take the gift that I've given you, this wagon full of treasure, then here's what I want to do. You can read the text, but he says, can I have a, as much dirt from this ground right here where you cleansed me that I can fit in my wagon and carry back with me to my home? And Elijah says, yep. And then Naaman also asks him, says, can I have, I'm going to, use this ground to sacrifice to the Lord. It's going to be my place of worship, but then I'm going to have to walk into a temple with my king, with the leader, and when he bows to the God, Ramon, just know I'm not bowing. Is it okay if I bow, but I'm not worshiping? And Elisha says yes. But here comes the, the scary turn. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. And as surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. Now what's happening in this moment? The servant is with Elisha. He's seen Elisha do amazing things. What just happened in his soul? He rejected the word of God. Elisha spoke as God's prophet, 
I'm not taking anything. I'm not taking the money. I'm not taking. And Gehazi's sitting here watching this saying, no, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to accept the word of God. I think I know better. And what's, what's going on? Humbly accept the word of God is the key to, to purity. And here Gehazi rejects the word of God. Now, why is this such a big deal? And there could be several reasons, but I think one of the, the key reasons that Elisha rejects the gift is what is the number one issue that, that Nahum came with when he came to see him? Not the leprosy. What's, what's the bigger issue, the heart issue that we all struggle with? It's pride, right? Thinking that I can earn my way into God's favor. I've got a wagon full, 6,000 shekels of gold. I've got these clothes. I've got all this stuff. I'm going to buy God's favor. I'm going to buy my cleansing. That is the lie that's at the heart of every world religion, right? It's at the heart of every world religion. I can do enough to earn God's favor. And so Elisha says, as he goes back, the one thing he needs to know is he didn't buy this. This was solely by the grace of God. He is purified, not only forgiven, but he is purified by God's grace alone. The word that came to him, that was grace. Did he deserve to get a word from God? No. And the cleansing that happened in the Jordan River, that was grace. And every day for the rest of his life is only by the grace of God. Received by faith. We received the word, the promise of God by faith. So that no one can boast, right? Because what's the big enemy of our soul? Pride. Gehazi doesn't get it. He's, he's watching his master say, okay, this is an this is one of our enemies, pretty much. And he's coming with a wagon full of stuff. My master doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to go. And he reinforces the lie. Possibly crippling Naaman's faith journey. Because he thinks he knows what's best. And so with the wagon full of lies and a soul full of pride, he chases him down. Gehazi hurries after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. He says, is everything okay? Everything's all right, Gehazi said. My master sent me to say two young men from the company of the prophets have just come from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothes. Not much. You can hear him minimalize. It's just one talent. The guy's got 10 talents in his wagon there and just two sets of clothing. He urged him to accept them, tie them up, and, uh, and then gave them to the two servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them in it, away in his house, and he sent the, the men away, and they left. What happens next is, is, uh, is sobering. I think a warning God has preserved for us. As it says, when he went in and stood before his master, Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? And your servant hasn't been anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money except clothes, olive groves, vineyards? Just saying, if, he, if he offered you the world, this is not the time to be taking it. And Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. And then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. So I was reading that. I don't know if that hits you, but it's like, wow. 
that's harsh. Until you pan out and you realize, no, that's a gift of grace, a redemptive gift of grace. When you look at eternity, Jesus said it's better to gouge out your eye than lose your soul. And that this guy every day wakes up, looks down, and he has this skin disease to remind him, humbly accept the word of God. Here's the scary thing for us. Who does Gehazi represent? He was the guy closest to the prophet. And he's the guy who walks away a leper. There's a temptation as we follow Christ over the years that we start to get callous to his word. When he gives us a very clear word, next step, we say, you know what, I think I know better. It doesn't apply to me. It applies to everybody else, but it doesn't apply to me. And we reject that. We become callous to it. And the end of that is always pain, not only for us, but pain for those we, we love the most. The contrast here is powerful. Naaman headed home, and you just feel his joy. Can you imagine his whole life he's had this skin disease, and now he's been purified, but beyond that, he knows God. You know, he, he, he has this wagon full of dirt that he's going to worship God and, and praise um, God for his cleansing, but, uh, but bigger yet to, to know him. But then Gehazi, covered with leprosy, having made a decision that will affect him and, and those he loves. And so the question that this, this story and, and really the calling of God on us today pushes in front of us, what is the one area that God has been raising in front of you to purify? What's his word to you? And then what will you do with it? And will you choose to be like Gehazi and, and walk out of here? And I pray that no one does, that none of us would walk out of here ignoring his word or rejecting his word, proud in our own eyes. Or will we be like Naaman and humbly accept the word planted in us and I love the vision that if we will do that, we can't purify our soul. We can't. It's beyond us. We're, we're total depravity deep in us. But the creator has given us a seed, a word. And if we will humbly accept the word that he's planted in us, he will purify us. And we're going to walk out of here becoming more and more like Christ. This is the hope of the resurrection, Christ in us, resurrecting us, changing us little by little to be more like him. So I'll pray us into a time of commitment right now, but I just want to reserve a couple minutes here for you to just listen and, and uh, talk with God and to commit to him, to resolve. And these are moments to just drive the stake in the ground and say, I'll receive your word. I'll obey and, and uh, no turning back. I'm following you. So join me in prayer. Father, we, uh, we come into your presence now and it was good to sing this song right before this message, Good, Good Father, and just remember that you are a good, good Father, that, that what you've given us is not to restrict us or to take our joy, but to give, our, give us joy, give us life, and to purify us from things that would lead to pain, lead to hurt, lead to um, relationships that are broken and messed up and ultimately lead to hurting you. So in these moments, we commit 
Purify that area of our heart and life that you've called us to purify. Thank you for your word. As we seek to follow it, we know we follow it by your power, through the spirit within us. With our eyes fixed on Christ, thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us, for giving us the strength to follow. So as Naaman was cleansed, he filled his, his cart with dirt. And what was going on there when he said, you know, can I have as much dirt as my cart can hold? And I believe there may have been several things happening, but, but I think he was wanting to, one, go public with his commitment, but two, he was wanting to remember it. Remember this moment. Take a, think about he took a, a bunch of dirt from that space and he carried it over to his home. And I don't know where he put it, maybe his front yard, backyard, or some public space, but he changed the landscape of his, his, his home with a spot to worship. And I think, what, what was he doing in that moment? One, he was going public. Friends, family, might be like, what's this stuff? And he's like, I, I'm worshiping the one true God. And I love that picture of just going public with our commitment. And uh, letting people know, if we really are going to follow, if this is true, if this is real, we're bold with it, aren't we? And so may I challenge you and encourage you to fill your wagon with dirt today before we leave this place. Just say, I'm going to fill my wagon with some dirt from this moment. To one, go public with it. Two, I think a second reason he was doing was help me remember it. Help me um, live with this commitment. If today God led you to your one area, your one word was believe, to, to receive Christ as your Savior. For the first time, you, you're accepting his gift of salvation. Then the way you fill your wagon with dirt is simple. He, he told us. It's baptism. It's to, uh, if you haven't been baptized, that's the next step. Say, well, I don't want to be, do this in front of everybody and get wet and embarrassed. Well, Naaman had to do it seven times. So you only have to do it once, right? <laughs> One dip. But, but here's the cool deal. What's that dip symbolize? It doesn't save you. What it symbolizes is your soul has been forever cleansed by the grace and mercy of God. And you're letting the whole world know, I died to my old way of life, to following me. The pride that says, I know better like Gehazi. And I'm living like Naaman. I'm going to live like him. I'm raised up. You come up out of the water, I'm raised up a new man in Christ, Christ in me. And to the best that I can do, I'm following him. And you fill your wagon with dirt. You make a public proclamation. Anyone who's watching, fine. I love him. This is the way I'm going until the day I die. 
If you've already trusted Christ and been baptized, may I encourage you to fill your wagon with dirt by telling somebody, going public, somebody you trust. Not You don't have to tell them all the ways that you are impure, but just say, here's my commitment today. We change in community. What was the difference between Naaman, Naaman's servants and Gehazi's servants? Naaman's servants, they, they had the guts to talk to him. Gehazi's servants said nothing. Do you have some people who have the guts to call you out? That love you enough to, to talk through your pride, talk through your lies, talk through your minimizing, and just say, no man. Let's follow Christ. This stuff's going to kill you. Why hang on to the leprosy? So may I encourage you, by the time, next week this time, even tonight, just go get one person who loves Jesus and say, would you, here's, what, here's my commitment, my purified commitment. You have permission to check in on me and talk with me and check me up. Would you do that? Fill your wagon with dirt right there. And then a third way to fill our wagon with dirt is to do something tangible from this moment that will help us remember it. And this is where we just get creative. I'm sure Naaman didn't come in there thinking, I'm going to walk away with a wagon full of dirt. Kind of weird, kind of awkward. But uh, take some dirt from this place. Cut out a section of carpet out of our floor. No, let's not do that. Actually, we have carpet squares in the, in the garage. If you want to go get a carpet square... Keep it in your house and just pray on it for a commitment to see Tyson. I'm sure he'll be happy to let us do that. <laughs> but I was thinking, plant a tree. Maybe this spring. Right now, spring's about to happen. Go to Menards, get a tree, and just say, this is 2019. God gave me a word that purified my soul. And this tree's going to symbolize that. I couldn't do it, but he can as I humbly accept his word. And as that tree grows up, look at that. Thank you, God, for the life that you've given me. Maybe it's grab a stone, you know, whatever area of your life that he's calling you to purify, and you just put that stone in your, around your house or whatever, but just to symbolize, what's, what's something that you can take from this moment to remember this commitment before the Lord? Why the wagon of dirt, ultimately? Why do you fill up the wagon of dirt? Worship. Why purify? It's worship. It's why we exist. And so what a great way to end this series in worship to the one who's recreating us through faith in Jesus Christ. And appreciate the song Wes picked to just remember we're being resurrected. And so as we end this time, let's just lift our voices to the Lord. Praise him for the work he's doing, recreating us to be like Christ. Let's worship together. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.